You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Oh, oh boy. Oh, oh we're live. You should have told me that before I hit the go button. Oh, well. BRB. <laughs> Danny's going to walk away. I'm going to do a quick introduction here. Uh, welcome into Bare Bones. As always, I am Mason West, a doctor of physical therapy and Chicago Bears enthusiast who pretends to know what he's talking about. Uh, uh, momentarily, I'll be Dan- joined by Danny Mian, who had to run and grab some water. There it is. Um, also, just to, I'm going to crack open our ah, BSO, Deepwood Series Revolution. I know you listen to this. Sponsor the, sponsor the show. Why not? Sponsor the damn thing. Why not? Yeah, Scotch ale, aged in bourbon barrels. We're also just stealing you know, bears over beer swag. So maybe I'll join you in a minute here. I'm just trying to get my water intake in. So, Gallon a day, brother. Gallon a day. It, it has, yeah. If anyone's also sidebar, since Andy brought it up, 0.5 to one ounce of water per pound per day. That's what you need, y'all. Anyone drinking less than that, you are just dehydrated all the time. So get your water. If your pee, if your pee ain't clear, you ain't hydrated enough. So it has been a little while since you guys heard from us. You know, we did the live show, uh, which was awesome at Noon Whistle. Thanks again to Noon Whistle for two, for letting us cra- uh, crash there, uh, have a good time. We did some cool giveaways. Uh, the guy who got the jersey actually it arrived today. I saw that on the tracking. So hopefully he uh, he actually enjoys what he got a DJ Moore jersey. Yeah, and the guy that won it was from Ireland. <laughs> He was, which is crazy. Which is the funniest thing. He's like, I really don't even like football. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, today is the quote-unquote big day, depending on how you look at it, where the <laughs> NFL schedule is announced today at 7 p.m. Uh, this is one Ooh. of the first years that the Bears <laughs> schedule really hasn't leaked. Uh, apparently, I think we've uh, got like, what, 10 weeks kind of sort of known-ish? Yeah, and I have that pulled up, and I'll, I'll fill y'all in on what we think is going on here. But um, basically, Kevin Warren runs a tight ship. He's, he's not letting anything get out. Yeah. But it looks like so far what we think we know, uh, for those who care if you're trying to book flights and hotels and all that jazz, uh, week one, Green Bay is coming to town. That'll be a noon game on Fox, it looks like. Chiefs week three. Uh, Commanders week five. Vikings week six. Those all look like home games. Panthers at home in week 10. Uh, that'll be a Thursday night game, it looks like. Uh, then you go away to the Lions in week 11, away to the Vikings, which, again, might be a uh, Thursday night game. There's two Thursday night games in there somewhere. Uh, week 14, Lions come to Soldier Field. Then you go away to the Browns in week 15, and you end the season at Green Bay, potentially maybe to actually mm-hmm. matter. Like You know, who knows how the season's going to go. Right. Uh, I'm not one to yuck someone's yum kind of thing, but we knew the opponents already. Why do we care? <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, exactly. Unless you have a desire, you know, to know, well, when is the Browns game? Because that's driving distance for me, and I want to go to Cleveland. Which, why are you going to Cleveland? That's a terrible trip. Yeah, Joe Kim Noah said it best. 
Yeah, exactly. No one, I don't hear anyone talking about going to vacation in Cleveland. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so if that's your job, you know, that'll maybe if things pop up, we'll announce some stuff. But uh, other than that, we're going to start talking about some of these draft individuals who are now officially Chicago Bears. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting stuff. And we are starting to see a lot of the draft picks start getting inked already, as it were, signing their deals with all their guaranteed money and, you know, getting their life change, essentially. So let's just start right at the top. You know, uh, first pick at number 10 after a trade back from nine was Darnell Wright, who is now your, let's be real, starting right tackle. Oh, scanning. Yeah. Um, solid. There's nothing wrong with the pick. It's not sexy. It's not like. I had to interrupt you because Derek Reeves is absolutely correct. They, we oh, yeah. The Chargers schedule video is going to be great. The Chargers kill it every year. Their social the Charger, the Chargers social media team is is like the best in the business, and it's not close. But um, he's solid. He's got good feet. He's a big, strong guy. Like you don't. It's it's always funny to say like, oh, football player is large, but even looking at him next to other football players, he's enormous. Like he, there's no way he was playing at three thirty five at Tennessee. I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe that. <laughs> it was like uh, a back in a. I always akin it to Miami LeBron, where they listed him at two fifty, and you're looking at him, and you're like, LeBron's got to be pushing two eighty five, bro. Like he's huge. I think it was Zach Pickens who said it best, actually, in rookie camp when he uh, the first time he talked to really the media fully, and someone asked him about like what. So you know, what did you weigh at the combine? Why do you weigh more now? And he was just like. It's because I wanted to look better and run faster so I could get drafted. <laughs> that was that's not their their combine weights and all that are not their playing weights. Well, it's just like the, the whole thing of yeah, the for the rest of his career, Bryce Young's football card is going to say he weighed two hundred and two pounds, whatever it was. The guy did not play at two hundred two. He maybe played at a buck eighty, soaking wet. Like whatever, well, yeah, he can I, play football. Like, so I was very adamant throughout the draft season, and I was. On draft night, if you, anyone watched the live show, I was Jalen Carter all the way. I, as as the picks picked by, Danny was sitting there, you know, the whole time, uh, half enjoying the the moments, but also half poking me, being like, you know, this isn't going to happen, right? Like, you know, <laughs> he's going to go at number six, the Lions. Like, you know, he's going to go and the entire time. And then, of course, he gets there to number nine, Bears trade back. And just my quick last bit on Jalen Carter, no longer, he's not a Bear, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep talking about this. You know, we do the things we don't have access to, right? We don't have access to the personality and all that. We, we don't have access to the medicals. We saw that this year. Good example being A.T. Perry. A.T. Perry was someone who a lot of people thought was going to go a lot earlier in the draft, but we find out apparently there's personality and off the field stuff, hence why he fell, right? You look at individuals like a Darnell Washington. He was in the, a lot of some people's first rounds, second round mocks. He fell hard. And that was because apparently he's got medical concerns. And we don't have access to that. So if Poles is sitting there at number well, nine like, and he like says, you know else. what, I'm trading back, I'm literally going away from Jalen Carter, I whatever. What, what, does that, what does that tell us? That he probably wasn't on their board. Yeah. And whether or not that was Poles or was that Papa McCaskey saying, we're not dealing with this. This is just not something we want. No, there's other things that have gotten blown out of proportion, like the the Crip thing or the blood thing, whatever it was. Oh God, don't even get me started on that. Where that – some we'll we'll name we'll leave the the reporter reporter unnamed, but uh, 
it, come on, man. What are we doing here? Like, he made a really bad decision that night that killed a teammate of his and, and someone associated with the team. It's likely that he was never on their board, despite what might have been leaking, despite what might have been changing. Um, and I'm sure his pro day workout where he couldn't get more than 15 minutes in without being absolutely winded didn't help his case, given who the coach is. You know, especially when that shoes, yeah. when that athletic, especially when that athletic article came out on on Darnell Wright of what they put this kid through when they met with him in person. You know, like where he, it's like that was a that was a hell of a test on Darnell Wright that Ryan Poles and Eberflus put him through. So, yep. And you know, is he more talented than Darnell Wright? Yeah, I, I would go as far as that. Just pure skill, ta- pure talent. I'm going to say Jalen Carter is higher. However, the Bears just don't have a, a team, uh, a defensive line room, a defense room that has the veterans, all that to be able to absorb a Jalen Carter yeah, the, and help him along the way. Right. It's, and the, your veteran the is Justin Jones. Yeah. And, and the Philadelphia Bulldogs are going to be right at home with him there. And you have a guy, you know, you have a Fletcher Cox, right? You just, you have a, you have a veteran. You have Brandon Graham, you have Fletcher Cox, you have, you have, I know he's not on the, on the same side of the ball, but you have Jalen Hurts, who is that guy, that work ethic guy. Like you want to be, you want to be a certain kind of way. You got to act and work a certain kind of way. Right. But Jalen Carter, not on the Bears. Who is? John Allwright. John Allwright. Considering, you know, where Paris Johnson ended up going, the Cardinals trading up for him. I like also the idea that with with him with Darnell Wright, he is plug and play right tackle, arguably you know the best right tackle in this class. You didn't have to do any shuffling if you drafted a Paris Johnson. You have the question: Well, is Braxton Jones left? Do you put you know Paris Johnson right? What happens there? Do you flip them if you went with a Skaronski? If you're if you're in the Skaronski club, you know does he go to guard and eventually kick out? But now you're trying to move guards around. Basically, long story short, Darnell Wright is a mean, just natural, raw power, great pass blocker that plugs in at right tackle, and you are pretty confident that he's going to be able to block on Justin's right side day one. Yeah, great pick. He's going to have growing pains, but he's solid. Like, I don't know if the upside is necessarily there, but being a good right tackle, if that's what he lives up to, there's nothing wrong with taking a good right tackle 10 overall. Look at Lane Johnson's been a tremendous right tackle, and they took him, what, I think – fourth in that draft years ago for Philadelphia. It's a good pick. We've talked at nauseam about about Darnell Wright. We know about him already. And there's really not a lot you're you're too worried about. I mean, the only thing I'm kind of concerned about, sometimes his technique gets a little sloppy just because he tries to be so nasty, so he gets outside of himself a little bit. There were some character concerns, but clearly Poles and company, they had that Puts puts a rest with the, the activities that Danny was talking about earlier. You know what? Let's and also and, and his tape is so good. You know, everyone talks about the so that was tape, actually going to be if if you're if I'm going to be picky, it's that his tape from before this past season at Tennessee wasn't just bad; it was awful. He was terrible on the left side. Correct. He was awful. He, he was horrendous. <clears throat> Undrafted. So <clears throat> so it's it's. It's okay. Like he got, he clearly got a lot better. Maybe he's just not meant to be a left tackle. It happens. People also mature, right? You know, people change yeah, people whether it's their better. bodies, whether it's technique, whether I mean, whether it's mentality. 
And maybe it was just the offensive line coach at Tennessee just seeing, you know what, he's not working on this side. Let's flip him to the other side see how it goes. He was a five-star recruit. Like, he was there for a reason. Right. Exactly. So, now, after that, there was a decent fall. No move was made to move up in the mm-hmm. draft any nope. sooner, all the way down to 53, where you got Gervin mm-hmm. Dexter, defensive tackle, out of Florida. What was your thoughts on Mr. Dexter, Um, So, it's purely a, a traits-based pick, and you're going to be basically – banking on the coaching staff of Eberflus and the defensive coaches in that room to really get the most out of them. I had him ranked. I want to say if I had to go back through my rankings, I think I had him as like interior defensive lineman, eight or nine. I think he was eight, eight, eight or nine, something like that. But I also, I, I told you, I think even at the live show that I just didn't like this defensive line class very much. There's yeah. players to like, but it's just, it was either you took one really high or the next one's like you were looking at like fourth round, third round grades on, and they, it then becomes the traits thing. Can you pick someone and mold them into what you think they can be? Now, I know we've heard people like like Dane Brugler say, when he's good, he looks like Chris Jones. Like, don't, please, for the love of God. <laughs> You're talking about the, the most disruptive interior force potentially in the NFL that isn't named Aaron don't, Donald. Don't put those expectations on this kid. Yeah, that like, that, <laughs> like especially when you watch him, it's like I get the stories have come out like he's being asked to mirror and think and like kind of just be there to eat space. I don't care when every other guy on that Florida defensive line is getting off the ball and he's not off yet. It's like everything's a step slow. Like I don't care how great your first step is. I don't care how fast and big and athletic you are. If you're not coming off the ball and you're not engaging when you should be, you're going to lose. That's just how it goes. How much of his freshman sophomore tape did you watch? I didn't get that far. I only got through three or four games of this year's tape alone. And I wouldn't. I didn't either until he made the statement. Go back and watch my my previous year's tape. And for me, that was a big eye opener because it was very different. Where because he was asked to do stuff a little differently, and so therefore, and he did. He he penetrated more. He was not as slow off the ball, and it's not like he you know all of a sudden aged ten years in one year and he has he lost a step. I do truly think that a lot of it was hey, I'm being asked to basically stand up, look, see what's happening, go. And when you're asked to do that and you rep that over and over and over again, that's and all of a sudden say someone says hey, okay, now let's get going it's going to affect you a bit. Now that's not letting him off the hook. Like he needs to get off the dang ball. Like, you know, get that work in. But, but I, I also tell you, I, I, plenty of defensive linemen where that was their problem. And we were able to fix that in them simply because it was, it was a neuromuscular issue. Yeah. That it, it might be just that. I will tell you, I don't think he's what they're envisioning as a three technique. I think they're just trying to get a hyper athletic nose tackle who might be able to push the pocket. And if he develops the way they think he can, it's a bonus. I think the next guy coming up is who they envision being the three tech. See, Just so my, that's so interesting. That's, I haven't, I haven't flipped. I do. I really do. It'll be interesting when we get to him, but, um, but yeah, just for, for Gervin, just a couple last points. I mean, he needs to be a little more disciplined as well because he has the flashes. And I think you alluded to that mm-hmm. earlier. He just does. isn't, con- it's not consistent. And for me, it's, it, you know, if it quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, waddles like a duck it's a duck it probably is a fucking duck yeah his everything else makes sense for him he's six foot five 310 pounds his res and all his testing is off the charts it's just 
his 10, for some reason, his 10 yard split is trash compared to his 90th percentile 40. It doesn't make sense. So therefore I'm yeah, some, wait. Something's not adding up. Right. Yeah, exactly. But before we get to the player you were talking about, we actually have to make a quick stop in the secondary yes. with Tyreek Stevenson. Um, so Tyreek was one of my favorite corners in this draft to watch. I didn't know necessarily if he was a quote unquote fit for the defense, but clearly they did. And there, there was clearly a type they were going after. It was hyper athletic. And it was, were you a highly sought after high school prospect? Almost yeah. every one of these guys was a four or five star recruit coming out of high school. So they're, they're clearly putting an emphasis on pedigree. Tyreek Stevenson is, how do I explain He's kind of like swagger incarnate. He plays like he is just, like he's meant to be out there. Like I, I've always maintained that it, to be a wide receiver, to be a corner, it's probably the most apt position of having this unrivaled confidence in yourself because you're literally on an island. You're relying on someone else to bring you the action. It's a really weird like position to be in. So I think he plays that way. He plays hard. He, he, fi- he fills in in the run. He's a little slender. He's got some tight hit issues, it looks like, when he runs. But he's fast in a straight line. He's big. He's strong. He's physical. Like, there's not things to dislike. There's not much to dislike about him. It, and, in fact, if there, he was in a le- – like, I actually think this corner class is pretty good. If he was in a lesser corner class, you might have heard his name called earlier than it even was. But what is your point of view? So one thing that happened with him – he actually went and was playing at Georgia where he was playing that star nickel role that is kind of famous there and actually ended up moving to Miami A to be closer to home. But also, you know, reports are that he clashed. He didn't like the role. He's like, I am a corner. I'm an outside guy. Does that bother you at all that he wasn't willing to, you know, mold himself a little bit to fit for the team? Or is that, you know what, he did what was best? So I think it's too pronged. It would have bugged me if it was a different system where you're, wanting to make these guys move around and stuff. Sure. But they don't do that. They're not going to be having really outside of the one game last year with Jalen Johnson following AJ Brown around. They're only going to be really staying on one side. So he's going to be a true outside corner. Jalen Johnson is going to be your other true outside corner. Kyler Gordon is going to be your nickelback. You know, it's, everyone's going to have their set space. And that's a good thing, for especially for the style of defense. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you're the left boundary corner, you're the right boundary corner, you're the slot corner. That's it. This is where you play. Because that's the that's the base of the defense that they're going to run. And I, I do like the Tyreek Stevens and pick. I think he can slide in, and he should beat out Kim Vildor pretty easily for that. I was going to say, who, who's going to take that job from Tyreek? It's like, Tyreek would take it from Tyreek and hand it to like a Kindle builder. Uh, that would be the only thing. I yeah. Would and again, he's going to, you're going to see growing pains just like you saw with Kyler and Jaquan last year. You're going to have issues because it's a hard position to play at the pro level, but at least they're not going to be asking him to learn two roles at the same time. Like they tried to do with Gordon last year, which was yeah. just miserable. So, I mean, Stevenson definitely needs to be a little more disciplined in coverage and yep. versus the run, but he's a very willing tackler. Uh, yeah. He's super long, rangy, and I love his speed in the short area. I mean, he can play that press man corner. And like I said, it's, he's a fun pick here. Uh, you could have maybe waited and gotten someone a little later, but the Bears thought enough to trade up for him too. So definitely yeah. take that into account. Yes, we do. It's a big, that's a big part of it. 
Well, moving on to the man that apparently is going to be the starting three tech day one, according to Danny. Not actually, <laughs> that's <but>. literally <laughs> not what I said. <laughs> not actually. Let's be let's be real. Uh, but uh, over to Zach Pickens, defensive tackle. Yeah. So Zach Pickens out of South Carolina. Um, let me pull up my notes on him. I actually had notes ready for him, but I didn't pull them up for some reason. Uh, he was. How do I say? This without trying to be mean. I think he his first step explosiveness off the ball is way different than what we saw out of Gervon Dexter, where he is getting off the ball, and that's how he has to win because he's light in the ass. He's just not a big, strong player. He, like he, he relies on finesse and speed and get off and basically to get to where he wants to go. His anchor is not good. He does not stuff the run well. He, he needs – to penetrate. He's a one-gapper. In, in today's league, you're not really seeing a whole lot of one-gapping defensive linemen anymore. It's a lot of two-tech, and because you because of all the motion and everything, you have to be able to read and react a little bit, not just say, hey, I'm going to shoot this gap, but I'm going to fly through. Like, But that's how he has to win, which is really what the classic three technique kind of is at its heart, but it's not... Like, this isn't just pure cover two anymore. It's That's such a Mis, mis, misrepresentation of what Eberflus's defense is, uh, defense is, and I stand by that. But it's what they're going to want him to do, I think. Now, time will tell. I might be proven wrong. I think he's who they envision as the three technique, should all things be equal. But I think they're, I, I really think that they're, they're like, yes, I believe one is going to be more nose, one is more three tech. But I think they're going to almost want them interchangeable, where they can yeah. just line them up wherever to take advantage of matchups. But yeah, honestly, I think the conversation of like who's the three, who's the one, is a bit overblown. Uh, it's they're going to put, they're going to see what they have. They're going to put guys in the best adva- place to be to be able to take advantage, and they're going to try to be multiple so that you can't always say, okay, you know, number so and so is always going to be here, you know, and vice versa. Like they want it, they want versatility. Um, one thing I do love about Zach Pickens is his mentality. Uh, mm-hmm. had, there's a quote he had um, in terms of stopping the run. That's the only thing I care about. I feel like once you stop the run, you can always be able to pass rush. And a lot of people don't really think about it until it's too late. I get mad and aggressive about stuff in the run. And I do think you see that a bit when he plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't really have a ton of a great production. He only, only 8.7% of his tackles in college came in the backfield. So I, you, that kind of correlates. He's like, he's looking for the, to stop the run more so than he is to penetrate and to get either the running back or the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, is that again, just a mentality thing? And he has the ability to get more of that, you know, push the pocket as you would for the three tech, or is that something that he lacks? There's, he does lack some creativity and I would say uh, diversive diversity in his pass rushing. I would like to see that get a little bit better, but I mean, he, and his anchor is a little funky, but when you take in some of the other stuff, like his length and his, and, and uh, his hand techniques that he does have and that he uses mm-hmm. consistently, he's solid. Right now, I don't know. I, I still have a higher ceiling for Gervin, but I still like Pickens. It's just – Yeah, I, 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 I will wholly agree with you. The, the ceiling on Gervin is better. I think the ready-made player, I think Pickens is probably a better football player this moment in time. Yeah, I could, I could agree with that, just in terms of going out there and, and doing what he needs to do. Yeah, I mean, and even my ranking show. I I just looked them up. Nine was nine was Gervin, eleven was Pickens. They were like right next to each other, yeah. both with third round grades. <laughs> well, now we get to move on to. I don't even. I don't. Is it my favorite? It might be my favorite pick with Roshan Johnson. <laughs> oh, this um, is 
<laughs> I and I think I showed this too. Um, Danny and I are in a dynasty uh, league together, and I traded up into the first round, kind of middle end of the middle. I think it was pick number seven or eight. I can't remember to take Roshan Johnson, and that's because I truly believe by week four five he's going to be the starting running back. I mean, it's going to be a committee. Let's be real, but he, he would be starting at almost any other place that wasn't. Yes. So, do you want to know my honest opinion of this? Roshan is my favorite pick because I'm the linebacker running back guy. Like this is just, it's my brand. I have to, this, I have to like it, but I don't think they think much of Khalil Herbert is my first opinion I agree with that. because you signed a, a $3 million running back in Deontay Foreman. And then you pick a running back in fairly high in the draft in Roshan Johnson, who does everything that Khalil cannot do. Block a block that's coming at Justin, yeah. Um, but he is fan. His watching him at Texas is so fun because you'll see him line up at fullback, you'll see him line up out wide, you'll see him line up in the slot, you'll see him line up as a true tailback. He is just all over the field for them. He's a little weapon for them. And I think the reason he's so good at pass blocking, even run blocking, you'll see him line up in the fullback role for Bijan and he will he will clear someone out for them, which I which leads me to really kind of think what could be fun with Getsy where they put like both the Longhorn backs in their backfield between between Deontay Foreman and him could be a lot of fun like just what they what they could concoct because of the versatility that Roshan offers and I think I've told this oh I know in fact I know I've told this to you before off you know off the podcast I have this weird infatuation with like converted quarterbacks because they see the game at a completely different perspective than everyone oh, 100%. else. 100%. Like, so, like, there was the – I forget his name, but the receiver out in, in – who was out in uh, Philadelphia for a while who played at Houston. I can oh. literally name uh, But he's fun. He's, like, a good special teamer. But, like, I've always had this weird fascination Ward? with the – Yes, I think his name, is, his name is Ward. But I've always just had that weird fascination. That's why I think he's so good in run protection and pass protection because he knows where he's supposed to be. Like, this is just what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be here on this play because that's my assignment. And he's a willing blocker. He's a big, strong guy. He's six foot, 222 pounds or something like that. Yeah, six foot two, 219. Yeah, like, that's a big he's, running back. He's going to do everything for you, right? He's going to he's going to do the special teams. He talked about it literally just this last uh, weekend. He talked about how he hadn't really done necessarily kickoff coverage before, but how he's loving it and on the return, how he's loving it. He, like you said, he's going to block. He's going to carry. One thing that bugged me last year when the Bears did do the occasional wildcat, it was just kind of like, what are we doing here? I mean, like you have David. Oh, yeah, that was the other it. Lots of wildcat quarterback with him. But he did a ton of wildcat quarterback. Like, you could legitimately have him throw the ball. Like, I'm not saying do it all the time, but now you at least have the threat of it. Like, yeah, fine. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing, one of the things I took away a lot too, and you saw this with right after the draft and with all of the coverage, people adore him. You walked into Texas so, and they couldn't stop talking about the guy. Like, Bijan was Bijan, but people were like, no, 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 but Roshan. Yeah, so I actually have a quick story about that. A buddy of mine, his family is close with boosters down at Texas. Or they're part of the booster club, whatever. So people that paid the players before they were allowed to get paid, for those who may not know what a freaking booster is. Um, and basically they said, kind of like what you were saying, is, yeah, they're happy for, for Bijan. How could you not be happy for a kid going eight overall, you know? But the kid that just – like he's, it's like the stories you heard about Jamal Adams coming out of 
coming out of LSU years ago, where when he walks through your doors, everything changes in terms of the makeup of your locker room because he's there. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. And I know that number one is supposed to be your culture. And, number, and, and Fields does have that, that makeup. The, the, the thing I always loved about Jalen Hurts before he exploded onto the scene. Like, but there's something about that kid where, yeah, number one's your, your, your culture, but that's your tempo setter kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. We, I could talk about Roshan. Yeah, we, we could just time. wax poetic about Roshan for an hour, I'm sure. Uh, so <laughs> so we're going to move on before, again, this just becomes a Roshan Johnson stream. But probably my second favorite pick would have been Tyler Scott, wide receiver out of Cincinnati, who a lot of individuals, like I know Nate Tice, for example, had him graded as a second-round pick. What's your thoughts on Tyler Scott? So Tyler Scott is really fun. I believe I had him as wide receiver seven in this class for my personal rankings. Um, he's he's diminutive, but again, if you followed me along the past few years since I really started like putting my draft analysis public um, – I'm the small, fast receiver guy. Like, if if you're small and fast, I probably like you. Rondale Moore, Wandale Robinson, uh, KJ Hamler, et cetera, et cetera, just to name a few crushes of mine over the past few years. Nathaniel Dell is another one I really like from this year's class. But um, Tyler Scott is nothing if not electric. I think uh, there was a stat put out the day he was drafted where he – his every touchdown he had averaged 44.6 yards per touchdown. Like that's, that's blasphemous. Like it doesn't sound real. Like he's covering half the field for every touchdown he's scoring. Like that's ridiculous. Um, I, he, he, you know, he needs more nuance on his route tree. He is little, he's got sticky hands and something I love about him. He's a converted running back. But he had like so, seven drops, Danny. He's got he's got good hands, man. It's so weird because you know you have like a Quentin Johnson, right? And like I, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not a Quentin Johnson guy. I think he was fine. I don't I don't need him. But his biggest knock, I know you do this all the time. I know a couple other people. I yeah, this is what he had eight drops last year. So, but it, Tyler Scott had seven. But then when he catches it, it's just like so. How did he drop those other ones? That was beautiful. Yeah, I, I can't answer that question. I just know that when he he's a natural hands catcher, maybe it's a concentration thing with him. Like Quentin looks like he's physically fighting the football. Like he's like he's had one too many at the club, so he's now fighting the football. Not all drops are built equally. Correct. It's it was like Brandon Johnson for years, or Brandon Marshall rather, uh, for years had the issue of well, he's got so many drops. Well, he was targeted two hundred times. What do you what do you want from him? No, I'm not saying you know. Because Brandon, this is Tyler Scott. I'm just offering a, an example of Brandon Marshall didn't really have suspect hands. Neither did Terrell Owens. That was a thing with him too. Like, look at all the drops. Well, when you're getting targeted 200 plus times, you're going to drop the football some. Well, it's interesting because you also brought up the high school running back thing, and it's a kind of a double edged sword. It's awesome because mm-hmm. of the running and vision and all that that you need with it. But then it also hurts a little bit because he really only caught the ball about like what ten times or something in high school. I think I remember mm-hmm. reading in the piece. Yeah, so I think it was something like that. He's a wide, as you like to put it, he's a wide receiver infant, and so mm-hmm. that's good because there's so much potential left. And then bad in the thought of he's he's not going to contribute day one. He'll run like what fifteen ish snaps and get three to four targets and give you a couple catches. But keep that in mind early on. 
the other thing to keep in mind with speed in the NFL, though, by just by the very virtue of the fact that he is out there, you have to pay attention to him. You you have to. Like, you can't just let the guy who scored touchdown, whose average yards per touchdown was 44.6 yards, a touchdown just not be accounted for. That's not how that works, you know? <laughs> it, sh- it should be fun watching what him and Justin. And I also do. think it could mean the writing is on the wall for number 11. My personal opinion. Uh, and that's the thing. It's, it's an easy connection just because of uh, the size. They're very similar in that. You know, they play a well, similar-ish I, I game. Those I Arnell's route that's... running is different. It's... Yeah, Tyler Scott's a really un-nuanced route runner. He only has a few it's, in his tree. It's but... more about type of receiver more than anything. Well, right? I'm also like, thinking regime. Who who brought them? Who brought in who? This yeah. regime got DJ Moore. Plus, DJ Moore has proven with multiple thousand-yard seasons. This regime, for better or worse, went and got Chase Claypool. And on top of that, Chase Claypool, even though he may not play like it all the time, is a different kind of receiver than Darnell or He's, Tyler Scott. Yeah, I mean, Chase Claypool is literally one of three people ever to be what he is. Right. Well, like, so, like, I, I'll, I will crap on Claypool till the cows come home. I can't take that away from him, though. So, but I'm, a, I don't want to leave you with a bad taste in your mouth. So I want you now to glow about Noah Sewell. Oh, I know you love your linebackers. I know you love your linebackers. This is because I'm a caricature of myself, Mason. <laughs> so if you would have told me what linebacker doesn't fit this defense, I would have been like that guy. <laughs> and then he ended up here, and it made me laugh. So I did. I'm actually going to be releasing a few more scouting breakdowns. Uh, as I get through more tape, you know, I've been a bit held up with personal life and work and whatnot. So I haven't been able to get my Roshan Johnson thread is up next, but I've actually gotten my Noah Sewell thread out as of probably a week ago. The first thing that comes is just the intensity of which he plays with him. The, like the, the tenacity of where, of like how he's an old, like he was meant for 2000s football. Like that's just where he was meant to live, but he's just born 20 years too late kind of thing. <laughs> um, he plays super hard. He gets there with thunder and and just – and he comes downhill. He's fat. He is big, strong, and fast. He's another five-star prospect coming out of high school. Obviously, he has the bloodlines and the lineage with his brother being the right tackle in Detroit. Like, oh, hi, Mr. Miller. I'm here too, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Mr. Miller. <laughs> um, Sorry. But part of me wonders, because I think he's going to be a tremendous special teamer, another high-character guy, captain of captain of the Oregon Duck defense, really good in the run. His big issue for me, at least, for as much as he – when he knows where he wants to go, he gets there and he get gets there hard. It's the the knowing where he wants to go. He seems lost a lot of times, and he's not great in coverage. He seems like he's guessing, and you can see the hamster on the wheel running a lot And versus just read, react, play. So it's, I think it'll be interesting to see how much of that was – because if you go back to his previous years, it's kind of similar to mm-hmm. Gervin in a way. Right in, I think well, they changed defenses. He was an all Pac-12 first team with 144 tackles, and then they changed defenses. Right, like you just said, you know how much did that? You know how much did that affect him? I would think a lot. I mean, yes, you want your football player to be able to take in new defenses, Mm -hmm. new offenses, but we talk about that all the time with quarterbacks. Right, when quarterbacks have these new offenses installed all the time, they struggle. Same thing is 
going to happen for your linebacker. Right. My my thought on him is, I wonder, do they view him as like a weird chess piece where they could almost line him up as an edge rusher? Because he's at his yeah. best when he's converting speed to power and he's just lighting somebody up. Like you see him. <laughs> I got my high. <laughs> oh no, that wasn't even to you. That was to Don Burr. Hi, Don. Look at that. Boom. Don oh, what a jerk. The the Detroit versus everybody. Damn it. I thought it was an A. Damn it. Cursed by old eyes. Did you see the comparison when they put Noah Sewell up against, like, when you make him into an edge and compare him to, like, let's say, uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name now? Uh, Eagles just drafted him off the edge. Uh, my brain. Nolan Smith? Nolan Smith. Thank you, Jeez. Uh, <laughs> and just how the difference in, the, like, the RAS score, the dichotomy there. Yeah, I did not see that graphic, no, but I can imagine what it would look like. Because he again, you watch him. He is not a great he does not turn his hips and ankles well. He's yeah. he is a stiffer athlete, but it, go straight line. He he can do it and he does it in a hurry. The biggest issue was the size, if I recall yeah. correctly. It was just basically the heights and then the he, arm length was, was and the weight yeah, was the he, biggest thing. He, he's a big linebacker, he's a small edge rusher. So that's why I'm like not wondering, do you make him like a stand-up Sam? Like again, going back years, but like kind of like what Roosevelt Colvin was for a couple years for the Bears, where he was this he was a pass rusher, but he was an outside linebacker. Yeah. Like, I, I think I, that'd be interesting. You put him on rotation, right? I mean, he go on passing downs, you maybe throw him on the edge. And if they you decide to all of a sudden have a weird thing where he drops back in coverage, you're like, okay, you can kind of do this. <laughs> he's an interesting pick because he's not someone I would have pegged for this team but i think he makes sense in a way that like you needed another linebacker anyway you still need a pass rusher he kind of can fill both roles based on what he does well but he's a fifth round pick man like we're at the point where it's like some of these guys in special teams flyer mode like bet bet on the traits (laughs) well moving on to Terrell Smith, cornerback. I actually really like this pick because a lot of smart people, that people that I trust, said this was a steal in this draft. You know, he he had really good tape one year, then he struggled the next year, and then this year he you know had good some decent film again. And the question ended up becoming, you know, was it just some injuries that cut for the season short? Uh, was it some other stuff going on? And which player are you getting? Are you getting 2019, 2022 Terrell Smith? Or are you getting that weird 2021 Terrell Smith where he just wasn't that great? Right. And the other thing to factor in, he's older. I think he'll be 24 at the season start, right? Yeah, because yeah, so, exactly. So you're going to – these last few classes, because of the COVID year, have had a lot of older rookies because they were given that extra year of eligibility. And that's fine, but that just means by the time he's ready to be extended, he's pushing 30. Like that's that's an old rookie, and th- these guys, like it or not, teams are looking to the future. When you're drafting someone, you're you're drafting. Do you think you can give them a second contract when that time comes? Um, I think Charles Smith is a really interesting pick because of exactly what you said. I want to say he was an. I want to say he was another five four star recruit too coming out of high school. Like three star recruit. Oh, he was a three-star, so he was the low. He was the low recruit of the class. He was the random one that, for some reason, just wasn't a five or four. Yeah, so he he he's good. Like I worry about again some of the fluidity issues. He plays hard. Like I think that's the other thing. Like 
We heard the other Eberflus-ism to go with hits on the part of my take podcast where he was the Eminem motor and mean. A lot of these guys play hard. They're playing as fast as they can all the time. It's the same thing with Sewell. You know, they, they want someone's – they want players whose motors want run hot, as it were. Like, and he, I mean, you know, he has this good size, good speed combo. Uh, he's pretty light-footed, and he can stay – composed with some sort of the twitchier releases mm-hmm. you have uh and he utilizes his length really well to challenge receivers at the line which is something i love but he does move a bit tall you know which can hurt his, his he's his the quickness. thing that stood out most to me was he's stiff in his back pedal like he yeah. just doesn't like he like some guys have that natural like hip sink and knee bend and he just doesn't seem to really have it like i can it's like when you're watching tackle play and the guys who can actually sink and get into their kick steps and actually engage while low instead of bending at the waist and like reaching. He's saying that he just doesn't get well into his backpedal. It's weird because he is a good, he, he moves well, like in a straight line, but you know, we will send him to you, Mason. You'll fix him right up. You'll, you'll, you'll make his hips looser. Hey, I absolutely can. Terrell hit me up. Um, and then I, <laughs> I, I, I touched on this a little bit. And I this connects to that. He missed multiple games because of injuries in four of his five seasons. I mean, his entire 2021 season was cut short. So mm-hmm. how much of that tightness is correlated with potentially, you know, a hip tightness issue causing like more increased likelihood of injuries above and below the chain and also reduced ability just to get out of your damn back pedal. Yeah. Like, can you, can you flip and turn and run? <laughs> like, and it's, it sounds funky, but like some guys just can't. <laughs> like, well, moving on to the 218th pick, Travis Bell, who, according to Ryan Poles, was his just favorite person and didn't want him to leave, even though he is, what, like six feet tall and tiny for, for a D lineman. Did you but, see his 40-yard you know, dash video on Twitter? Oh, the one that looks like it's at your local park? Yeah, like nobody's there. He's just he's just running in the park. He's, on, he's there for a Sunday stroll. But big homie was running. Like he was moving. <laughs> I mean, he ran a five point oh one forty. Yeah. Which I mean, that's which is pretty darn good for someone. But again, he's only six foot. He's not. He's this very interesting person. Where you know, Ryan Paul talked about. You know, he worked a full time job. Would, would go right from his job right to to go to practice or to games as needed. You know, football wasn't necessarily always in the cards for him. He just kind of ended up picking it up and doing it because he really liked it. That football is like recess to him. And also, cool story. I mean, first player to ever be drafted from Kennesaw State. Yeah, like he, he is a. You can never take that away from him. I'm not going to sit here and claim to know much about him. I, I I looked for some tape on him. I couldn't really find anything. So you can I, find I Kennesaw State tape. And t- God, what kind of what kind of draft analyst am I? Can't yeah, but we're find- not. We're not going to blow smoke up your butts. We don't know a ton about a couple of these players. I mean, it's end of the round stuff. And no offense, I was like. I was not looking at Kennesaw State tape. So uh, unless we have something else, uh, we're going to move on. We can move on, I think. Uh, last draft pick for the Bears at 258 was Kendall Williamson safety. Yeah, that was another one where I was just kind of like, who? who? <laughs> like, like I mean, it, it, he's got it, it happens every year. 4-4-4 four, like, four, four speed. I mean, he started his career as a slot corner. Then he started mixing in some strong safety and free safety in 2019. And he's been kind of pretty versatile. He's played in the slot, in the box, back deep. So, you know, you know, what, all, you know who he honestly reminds me of is the Elijah Hicks pick last year, yeah. where he's probably this high character kid, 
busts his ass. He's willing, yes coach, no coach, you know, that style of kid. And he's willing to just bust his ass on special teams. That's how he's going to have to make his bones to make this roster and, and make a living in the NFL. Kind of like how DeAndre Houston Carson has lasted was, in the NFL for seven years. I was going to say that, yeah. Is he, can he be – because they didn't reassign DeAndre Houston Carson. So you need a third rotational safety that's going to give you stuff on special teams and then can come in, let's say, knock on wood, Eddie Jackson gets hurt again or Jaquan Brisker has something. Like who's going to be your safety that comes the, in? God, the mention of Elijah Hicks makes me remember there's a certain segment of Bears Twitter last year that was convinced that guy was going to be the starting free safety. Well, because he did, he did push-ups every I drafted. <laughs> starter. Like, you know, actually, on the push-up note, do you know what one of my favorite things is actually to watch in an NFL game? When you see a corner drop a for sure pick and he does the he rips out the quick 20 because that's what he was doing in practice growing up. Yeah. <laughs> just, for some reason, it just like – it brings like a weird smile to my face. Like, Oh, good for you. You're still, you're punishing yourself, still grinding and punishing yourself real quick. And moving on to individuals, we probably know even less about, but we want to bring up, you know, we're just doing a little undrafted, undrafted free spotlight. Is there a person or two that, you know what, keeping an eye on as, as things move along, I'll start first. My first one is Andre Schmidt as it's pronounced a kicker. I'm highlighting this, not specifically because of Schmidt, even though he actually did pretty well in Clemson as a kicker but more so because of what Cairo Santos has not been able to do. He's been actually great at field goals. He's in like the 90-something percentile. It's pretty high. But he's down in like the 80-something percentile. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's 80-something percentile in terms of extra points. Those are free points, right? And so now when the Bears are starting to kind of start to push to want to be relevant, you know, you're not thinking for the first-round pick anymore, make your dang field goals. So, you know, can Schmidt push out Cairo and, you know, save you some money at the same time? Yeah, the uh, one I'll bring up is the easy one. It's the quarterback, uh, Tyson Badgett from Shepard University. Threw for like 50-some-odd touchdowns in a season, you know, record holder in West Virginia. Wasn't even recruited much coming out of high school except by Division II programs and 1AA programs. He's a good athlete. He's got a good arm. Like, he, I don't care that he his 50 touchdowns came at the subdivision level. Like, 50-something touchdowns is still 50-something damn touchdowns, and it's worth a look. He probably should have been drafted over some certain players, especially when you – Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford, name, namely. Uh, and when I, when you see, what was it, Stetson Bennett went like in the fourth or fifth round. It's like, what is going on? And the crazy part, that man might start. <laughs> Stetson Bennett. <laughs> Took him in Dynasty in the final round <laughs> as a stash. But yeah, I mean, uh, Bajan's what? He threw 159 career touchdowns with touchdowns, an NCAA record. NCAA record. Yeah, like, and cool thing, his dad is like a world, like an all-time arm wrestling champion. <laughs> and he's a guy that, you know, there's not a high ceiling. You know, he really, he's not going to be, like, the reason we, like, I know you and I both talked about, like, a Jared Hall. We talked about a Dorian Thompson-Robinson is because maybe they could fit and be similar to what Justin is this guy's not that he's not a rushing threat you know he ran a four seven nine four yard dash but he's just a he's gonna be that constant professional that in theory either you develop and he's your backup or you develop a bit and you know you flip him for a late round pick better than nothing um i'll i have two i'm gonna throw out there real quick michael sure. baskerville linebacker from lsu he was actually mm-hmm. ruglers 26th range linebacker he was very productive very, very productive. productive. Three-year starter. And you know, Brugler said this, uh, football smart and triggers without wasting steps, but his athletic and strength profiles are very average and tougher to overcome at the NFL level. His special team's background and coachability will help his chances earning a roster spot. So just that linebacker, kind of the, um, 
I can't think today. Uh, who, who is our starting linebacker now that isn't a starting linebacker? And everyone's saying about it. Thank you. I, it's the been a long, it's been the a long week, man. Yeah. He's going to be – it's kind of the Sanborn thing where people are like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, you're getting a lot of tackles. Oh, you're doing cool things on special teams. Oh, someone got hurt. You know, maybe can he now be the fourth linebacker? Maybe. It'll be interesting. Um, and then the last person I'd bring up is Jalen Harris, edge out of Arizona. He's the only edge player that the Bears brought in, which I find to be very interesting considering their issues at edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he made, he's, he was interesting. Um, his dad, Sean, actually played for the Bears from 1995 to 2000. Uh, he had 12 in 2022, 12 starts, 51 tackles, three and a half sacks. Nothing too crazy, but oh, and he had an RES of 8.66. So, you know, solid athletic score. Just to throw at the wall. Now, before we go to our, our break here, mm-hmm. is there anything else that the Bears could do to improve their pass rushing before this week one? I mean, the easy answer is sign Yannick Ngakwe or Leonard Floyd or one of the free agent rushers. Yannick would make the most sense because I get he's terrible against the run. I understand that. Your leading sack guys last year were three or four. Like, you, you need to get after the passer. I don't think Yannick's had a season in his career under eight. Like, I know he's a one-trick pony, but he's pretty damn good at his one trick. He's like the Mike Wallace of edge rushers, where Mike Wallace could do one thing, and that was run really damn fast in a straight line. And it was like one of the – I used to love watching him because it was like, you know what he's going to run. He's going to run a nine route, and he's going to blow by everybody because he's just faster than all of you. Uh, and that's kind of what Yannick is. Yannick runs the arc well. He's flexible. He's bendy. He's quick off the line. Don't ask him to defend the run. He's not going to. He doesn't really care to. But pin his ears back, go kill the quarterback. Let me float this at you. You acquired some draft capital from the DJ Moore trade, you know, first in the next year, and then you got a seventh Mm -hmm. year after that. You acquired some draft capital from moving back. It's a fourth rounder, but, you know, from nine to ten with the Eagles. Now, I'm not saying you trade those picks, but do you now feel a little more comfortable spending some draft capital to go after a disgruntled or in some, you know, some there's a blemish somewhere pass rusher like a Chase Young? So, yeah, I was going to say Chase Young is not – Chase Young was the one that it felt like you were alluding to just because of pedigree. Mm-hmm. Like Chase Young wasn't the technician that the Bosa boys were coming out of Ohio State, but he was. Bosa boys. <laughs> yeah, for a certain segment of Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I need to not do that. Um, but he was a hell of a prospect coming out, obviously all the athleticism and tools in the world. I don't know how, like, I know it took forever for him to come back from the ACL, which again, myself included, we all need to kind of recalibrate our timelines. He was probably on a correct timeline for what he underwent. He just didn't, didn't play well. He's had one and a half sacks since the year he was drafted and that injury occurred. I would take a flyer. Say it costs you a fourth round pick that you got from the, the Panthers next year. Is it worth it? Sure, why not? Maybe you get something out of it. Maybe you get a legit pass rusher. I mean, it's a valid point, right? Because who did you draft in the fourth round this year? Noah Sewell. Maybe you're hoping Noah Sewell can give you a couple of pass rush snaps here and there. He could be a backup linebacker, special teamer. Or do you take a flyer with that fourth round pick on a Chase Young, someone of that general caliber? Uh, Salute to yeah. general caliber. Why, why not? <laughs> Why not? We're going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to wrap this up. A little look into rookie minicamp, some goals for JF1, and a game I'm going to make Danny do because I want to. Yay. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right. Welcome back in. We are now going to talk a bit about the rookie minicamp. Not a lot to do there. I mean, the coverage that the Bears allow media to do is few and far between. When I was lucky enough to be able to go there myself, I mean, it was like, you got to film and take pictures of warmups and then you just watch stuff and then you can't talk about it. It's, it's odd, but we do have a couple of statements. I'm going to read to you, Danny, and I just want your impressions on those statements. Mm-hmm. So Alan Williams said this on Dexter and Pickens. The things I do like are first of all, they're big. Second of all, they're fast. I've been in the room with them for two meetings and they are super intelligent and attentive. If you look as if someone cares about something, you can tell by the attentiveness in the room. I mean, it kind of adds up with what we know they like in players. They don't want people who are not kind of obsessed with the game of football, right? So it kind of hits home in a way. Like, but what are they going to say? The kid they just took in the second round is dozing off in film. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, it it's so it's so it's good to hear, but it's also take it with a huge grain of salt because you don't expect these guys to be like. We didn't get the like for instance, we didn't get the Jamarcus Russell story about the DVD being blank. Right. That they sent him until years after the fact. Yeah, the like, Raiders talked it up for the for years that oh like it, he was the best thing ever, right? I mean, it, there was never an issue with him until it was an issue with him. Right. So I it's good to hear it, obviously they're both big and strong and fast. It, it's on their relative athletics course sheets, you know, like but not that it's like, wouldn't it be funny if it was like the, the the friends trying to, you're trying to set your friend up on that date and it's like, yeah, she's really nice. She's great. But it's like, that's what it would come off if you said something like that as a coach. So this one might be a little more telling or more interesting. Alan Williams on starters. We have a three technique. That's Justin. Justin will be there alluding to Justin Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Justin Jones was a solid football player last year on an otherwise dreadful defense. I, I took to Twitter often to defend Justin Jones because people often just ripped him up. And it was like, look, Justin should be your second defensive lineman. He shouldn't be your first. But in the, fact, in the fact that you're having to lean on him, he did a great job for what he was being he, asked to do. And he he did fine. Like, what do you want from him? When Robert Quinn, God bless him, get him a fourth-round pick for a guy who wasn't really doing much anyway. Like, I know his pressure rate was there and everything, but the pressures weren't becoming sacks. Like he, what did he have a, a sack before he got traded? I think so. And then he barely played when he got to the Eagles. Again, it just, 
the, the, the defense was abysmal last year and it only got worse after they traded Roquan and, and Quinn. Quick sidebar, can we applaud King fucking Poles for getting a fourth round pick for the corpse of Robert Quinn? Like, what did he I, do I, in that in that phone call to, to Howie Roseman to convince him to do that? I don't know. I, I'll have a – I know Robert Quinn wasn't the best Bear. And he, yeah, I guess he owns the Bear single season sack record and whatnot. But I'll, I'll, I appreciate old man energy. And, and Robert Quinn had that in spades. It was just like – it was like he's just this old Southern guy who just kind of exists. Like, and he just constantly was also like, I'm not getting traded. I don't want to be traded. I don't want to get traded. And then he got traded and he's on the Eagles. And then he's literally at the Super Bowl doing interview. He's like, yeah, I don't, I never want to get, tra-. he's still saying, I never want to get traded. I don't want to be here. <laughs> like he just wouldn't want to paycheck. He wanted to be comfortable at his home in Chicago. And yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> he was probably, he was probably happy here. Like what are you, what are you going to do? I mean, it's the nature of the business. He knows that he's had a borderline hall of fame career. I mean, he knew it was. He knows he's on the back nine, or if not done, because we're what in his twelfth season or something like that, and he's unsigned. Like, is what it is. He had a great career. I had some more quotes, but we're, let's we're, we're gonna move on. It's it's rookie minicamp. There's there's not a lot to really worry about there. Uh, so Justin Fields' goal. This this is the summer of Justin. You know the, the George Costanza meme. Throw that in there. Um, you could tell, right, getting Darnell right, throwing in a Roshan, going in to get DJ Moore, you know, this goes on of things that they've done to try to limit. I don't like the word excuses because they're valid, but the reasons why you're going to say, you know what, we couldn't assess Justin appropriately because mm-hmm. of blank. Sure. So what overarching goals? I'm not saying, like, yards or touch, none of that. That's stupid. What are the goals for Justin for this season for you to say this season was success? Um. I want to see – I hate the third-year jump thing because we saw what Hurts' third year was. We saw what Allen's third year was. Can I get a jump that looks like somewhere between Hurts last year and Hurts in year two? Like somewhere in that realm. Like if he gets the MVP, obviously that's great. But just be a little better than what Hurts was his second year. Like where you're, you see the running effect is still there. You're not necessarily having to lean on it. You got – You've got legitimate weapons now, which I know it's only one player, but they're probably what, like the 14th to 16th best receiver room in the league right now. Like they've got legitimate targets. You're not, you know, trotting out Dante Pettis to be wide receiver two. If you look at Mike Clay's ranking, he has them as the 16th so, uh, best wide receiver unit. Yeah. So they're average. That That's plenty to work with. My goal, so Jonathan Wood uh, is doing a series right now. Uh, Fields and Focus. Fields and Focus. It's really good. It's a lot of in-depth analysis. I, I think he's on part eight or something now. He's I, got I, seven of eight out, I believe. Seven of eight, that's what it is. <clears throat> Go ahead and, and read that, please. It, it's good. It, what One of the biggest takeaways I had, and I feel validated because I was saying this a lot last year, and I feel like people were like, no, you know, is that sacks are a quarterback stat. People say that, and which I agree with for the most part. However... When you look at how that line played and you look at what the receivers were able to contribute in terms of just literally being open and being zone beaters and things like that, you can see why Justin's sack rate went up. And so that's one of the biggest things for me. I'm looking for that sack rate to decrease. If you can get that sack rate to decrease and you can point to it and say, you know, okay, yes, you took a sack there, but that was because, and that was on you. 
and you can no longer say, okay, yes, because this wide receiver sucked mm-hmm. or this line booger assignment, that you are able to now get the ball out in an efficient manner and give your team a chance. And that you can load up and you can go big game hunting because that's who Justin is. He's a big game hunter. I want to see him throw deep to Bayless Jones and Tyler Scott and all those things. But I also want him to see hit that quick slant. Someone run a slant and get open. I, don't, I can't even tell you the last time I saw a slant. It's probably Allen Robinson. It was the last slant I saw ran and ran successfully. Well, just not quickly. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty slow, especially near that in that last year. But who last year was going to run a slant and be open? No one. Well, no one. Claypool theoretically, but. but then he got hurt. He was behind. There was there was a whole thing there, which I know you. So and I differ if on if you want the the actual, what do I personally want to see? The sack rate's a good one. I want to see improvement in the quick game by him, yes, like the prop the processing of it. Like, like and I know it's it's a bad thing to say processing for him, but he the layups too. I, Hit your layups, man. Hit your hit your running back coming out of flare out of the out of the backfield. Yeah. Just, just make the like he is what, such a what weird. Game was it last year, the tight end uh, in the corner that he overthrew. Oh, I know. I don't remember what game, but I know. I, I think I know the play you're referring to. Yeah, it was one of those ones that like for a week everyone was losing their mind because it was like, how do you miss that? Like, hit, just hit hit that one. Yeah, like I, he's and he's. I think he's always going to probably have some problem in the short game because he doesn't throw the football with the laces wherever he catches the ball it's just where he kind of like throws it off of which is highly annoying but whatever it's what he's learned to do you can't change everything about a player but i want to see him hit the layups because he's such a conundrum of a quarterback right where quarter most quarterbacks you have to teach to go hunt go find the big strike you're trying to just tell him it's okay to just live to fight another down Throw the ball away. Get just a lot with that. DJ fucking Moore, who is the king of the short to intermediate (laughs) route. All makes sense. Ryan Poles is genius. Well, it's cool on that. We we still have some some time before that happens. I'm, I think I'm relatively measured. Now I'm getting off track again, and I keep doing this, but um, I'm relatively measured in my. This is true. In my assessment of polls, there's things I haven't liked that he's done. There's things I've loved that he's done. Most of it, I think, falls in the middle, and most, and even more of it needs to be wait and see because it's a construction, right? You don't judge the the building being built when you just see the the, the rebar being put up. Um, but man, I I do like what he's doing. I I do like how he's towing the line between be between now and the future, right? Like that oh. the DJ Moore trade. That is, I think, splitting right down the middle of saying, I'm going to give Justin something so I can truly assess him. That should be really help and fit him really well. Like a DeAndre Hopkins might fit in the general, go up and get this, but DJ Moore will help him in that short immediate. That's why I love that. And you also got the, the first next year. So that let's say for the sake of argument, Justin's awful, which I don't think is going to happen. But if he is, you are now sitting in a position with two first round picks where you could try to move up and get a Drake May. So you have an out if you need. I just like how he's towing the line between these two things. I think he's definitely got a plan in place, and I think he's working on that plan. I I just personally want to see something. I want to see players being acquired that make sense and play well, not just picking. Like it, it felt like the like full the the back to back defensive tackles just felt like picking players for the sake of picking players. That's what that felt like Hmm. to me. Who from last year's draft that was picked high has not had looked like they could be a real NFL player so far? From last year's draft looked like one? You're saying the 21 class, right? So I'm saying like the yeah, the, the Gordon, the Brisker, the I think Brisker's a player. 
I think Brisker's a player. I think Kyle Gordon looks like he really can I think, be. I think Kyler's going to be a nickel, and I, I said that from the time I evaluated him coming out of Washington to the time he played last year, that stop playing him outside. He's not an outside player. And then arguably you could say the Valus Jones pick was – It's a waste. Was it's a waste. Good. It's but a wasted pick. Two of your two, If you're going to say two of your top three picks are NFL starters – Starters? Sure. Like, what's, what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. I'm just saying I, – I get the logic behind the back-to-back defensive tackles. Like it's, I, I get. It. I've lived through Tommy Harris and Tank Tank Johnson and Ego Ferguson with Will Sutton. I did, get did the lot. Did you need more than one defensive tackle? Probably, but I also needed an edge rusher. Uh, who was I take? I mean, I got to look. Yeah, back. no, you'd have to go back and look, and you can split hairs. I'm just saying, yeah, there's yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Sure. I'm not taking him in the second round. Sorry. I like Yaya. <laughs> I did. I really did like Yaya. I, just, <laughs> I really like Yaya, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm also, I'm also, despite being a Southern Illinois grad, we don't put many players at the pros. Heck, fucking Jeremy Chin forever, baby. But, uh, like, Yaya, I liked him. I, the, I don't know. This whole draft class as a whole just left me wanting more, though. So I might have they might have picked two different players and I could have still felt that way. I think Ryan Pace's best or Ryan Poles' best work in this draft was on day three. That three pick run where he went when he went Roshan, Sewell, and Scott, or Scott Sewell was the best run he's had as a GM in terms of picks. Yeah. I think those three I just was gonna finish your point. I was just gonna bring this up once you're done with it. Sure. No, okay. no, my point's done. Oh, okay. So Iceberg Slim 38 says. Regarding our Phyllis Jones conversation, come on a waste after one rookie year. I, I think Danny can vouch for this. I am one of the biggest Valus defenders out there. Mm-hmm. I still think he has potential to do stuff. And and we know that wide receivers and tight ends do take a little bit of time to 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 get into the league and do what they need to do. You know, the Justin Jefferson has thrown that off entirely because he just came out like guns ablazing and Jamar Chase Jamar Chase yep. threw the thing everything out the window. My problem is you used a third round pick, your first offensive pick, and the thing you were saying, okay, this is going to help Justin out on someone who at this point in time is a gadget player. He is a hand the ball off in the backfield. He's a screen, and maybe you can get a deep pass out of him. Waste is probably a bit much in terms of what we're doing. It's we're just talking off the cuff, but like I don't love it. Like it's so far, it's been meh. If I wanted to find an overaged fast guy to run bubble to run bubble screens and orbit motions and all that crap, I could have gotten him in the sixth round. What in what 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 I see racing now? So DJ Moore's one. You got uh, two is Claypool. I think I think Claypool Mooney, whatever. Yeah, whatever order. Who's so who's four? I would venture a guess at this moment because you got to make them earn it. EQ is probably four right now. Say EQ's four. Who's five? Five. I would probably – I think Scott's a better football player than Bayless is. Probably Tyler Scott. And then, and then numbers, your and six then is, is between Pettis. Bayless and Pettis. And Pettis, and Pettis, you Pettis is probably – can catch a punt. <laughs> yeah, like Bayless just – it never made – he – the big thing on him coming out of Tennessee as we knew it was he finally escalated as a 25-year-old playing against 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds. Why did that happen? Oh, well, he didn't digest the playbook well. So he's going to go from a Tennessee offense, which is a joke of an offense that they run, where he can't pick that up. I get he was at USC with whatever and Juju and whatever. But if he's whatever, having – str- 
Like if he's having trouble with Josh Heupel's offense, what the hell makes you think he can digest an NFL offense? And that's what we heard coming out of training camp was he was struggling with the playbook and maybe he just needs time with it and that's fine, but that's why he's wide receiver six. You don't have time as a 25 year old player you don't. coming in it, in his first year. That is you are coming in, you are playing. That's how that is. And I, I don't, I know it sounds hard on the kid cause he seems like a nice guy. He really does. He seems like a gregarious fun dude who should be really good at football. Cause he's really, really fast. Yeah, I didn't understand the pick the second it happened. I don't understand it now. And see, and, and the, neither Danny or myself are cutting the guy, trading him away, anything like that, right? There's still plenty of time to prove some stuff. But for that sixth spot, you better either – you better be able to contribute on special teams. And right now he's done kick return, but now you have a Roshan Johnson who can do that. You have a Khalil Herbert that can do that. You have a Homer that could probably do that. I don't know if he's done in his career, to be completely honest. And – you have a Tyler Scott that could probably that can return punts. I could tell you that much. Like I know he can. And you have a Dante Pettis sitting in the wings that we've seen that I mean he doesn't do it super well, but he catches the ball and moves it forward. <laughs> he gets his four yards of a return. Which is which again is to an extent fine, right? Just don't turn the damn ball over. Like I don't know the problem. Was could he did he have problem reading it? Was he was he having vision problems? Was he freaking out in his head? I don't know what the damn problem was, but it was a problem. Yeah, I, maybe he just has the yips. Yips happen. It's a psychological thing. Like you don't get a lot of chances. I mean, one of the things that one of the I love hard knocks. I, it sucks recently, but I love hard knocks. I do. It's my guilty pleasure, and I watch it every year. And but when you go back and watch some of the old ones that were actually good, good, like you see how quickly that chain gets yanked and the behind the scenes stuff. Where there's that undrafted guy, there's the late round pick. They make one mistake, one, and they're done. It's over with. Yeah, it's gone. And done he is now. He dropped how many? I mean, he and he dropped multiple punts. And was it three, three or four months? Three or four months? months. Yeah. And he didn't know the playbook. And he had a hamstring issue that kept coming back. And obviously, Mason, you're more well-versed in this than I am. Soft tissue issues don't just go away. Correct. These guys that have soft tissue problems, it's a problem their whole career. It always pops up. There are reasons guys like, like – I don't want to use Adrian Peters, but I don't remember Adrian Peterson ever having a muscle issue. <laughs> like, no, I mean, he had the ACL, which is secondary to muscle, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Like, obviously, that's not the same thing. But some guys just don't have tissue issues. And once you start having them, they don't go away because the game doesn't stop. And you end up hitting this weird line. So this line exists where young players think they're invincible and think this is just going to fix it on its own. And <laughs> well, he's not a young player. And, and youngish. <laughs> we'll say youngish. <laughs> like pre twenty eight and so you don't go get extra help you go to the you go to the facility you do what they tell you to do there you work with their trainers you go home mm-hmm. you know so that's one group the other group as you do cross that line that age threshold which he's closer to than other rookies were last year but he's still under it for now is that father time does start to win it it is harder to maintain the soft tissue it's harder to come back from things your tissue flexibility gets worse your uh, overall your mass strength output decreases this is just what father time does to you now once you cross that line it is now harder to come back the players that do well and succeed long term are figure out early before they cross that line what they need to do to maintain their body that's one of the mm-hmm. reasons why we've had dr richard on here to talk about what's going on and because he's talking about justin fields as what darnell mooney does all these mm-hmm. things because they realize their body is so important they can't just do what they tell them at the facility because no offense to chicago bears facility and what they do there it's not enough 
it, there's there's too many players to focus on. They don't they aren't doing the right things. I'm not gonna lie. Like the, the whole Allen Robinson injury injury issue is a whole thing I can get into, which I'm not going to. But basically, long story short, is those they need to figure it out. And at that time, Bayless wasn't willing to do that. Bayless was not putting in the extra work he needed to do to recover from that hamstring issue because he was like, "It's gonna work. Don't worry, I'll be good." Yeah, and he, it might have been the first time he had, a, had a, ever had a soft tissue thing, so maybe he didn't know what it was supposed to feel like. But I don't know. I I hate soft tissue injuries because they never seemingly go away. Like the year may end, they may have the whole off season to recover. They come back and three weeks in, it's like, oh, he pulled his calf again. Damn it. We're going to end this conversation because we spent like 10 minutes talking about Bayless Jones Jr. And I did not foresee that happening. <laughs> and I, yeah. so we're, we're like, we, we are the Bayless Jones podcast. Done with that. Last thing we're going to do here. It's way the too early record prediction. I'm going to make Danny pick win-losses for the entire – I hate you. Season <laughs> coming up. Uh, and we're just going to go home and away. We don't God. know the official schedule. We'll figure that out in 45 minutes. So we're going to start with home. Yeah, we're going to go away. Worst. You are allowed to give me a sentence if you want to explaining why. If you or sure. you just or just give me a win just loss. I, go I, ahead. Broncos. Win. Falcons. Loss. Panthers. Win. Raiders. Ooh. Wins. I'm at three wins now. I'm three and one based on <laughs> this Cardinal. is. Oh, they're gonna beat the fucking Cardinals. Four, four Lions. wins. Lions. Loss. The Vikings. Loss. Packers. This is week one. Sure. Well, it's the home schedule, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're playing. I think they're playing the. Yeah. I think that's been one of the leagues. So we'll get, make that a fifth win. Five wins. Five and three. Okay. Uh, way Chiefs. <laughs> They're going to get their doors blown off. <laughs> Probably again, get your damn doors blown off. Buccaneers. You should beat the Buccaneers. So six. Thank you for saying that. Commanders. So I was at that Commanders game last year. You goofy, gross, what, 12 to seven? Seven, whatever. yeah. On the 50 yard line. Shout, shouts out to Bill Zimmerman. Um, oh, six wins. That's a win. You're going to beat the – you can't tell me Sam Howell's a good football player. I'm sorry. I, I can't get myself there. You're better off playing Jacoby Brissett than you are Sam Howell. No, you are. Saints. Uh, loss. Saints are a better football team. They're, uh, Browns. Oof, probably a loss. That Browns roster is something else, man. And if Deshaun comes back – and remember, they're still going to be an awful defense. Nick Chubb might run for 400 yards. <laughs> uh, the Lions game, which we think is going to be potentially after the Thursday night Panthers game. I think they split with the Lions. So that'd be a win then. Uh, Vikings. Vikings? You cut out there. Oh, Vikings. Vikings? Loss. Just a better football team. Oh, and two to the Vikings. And then uh, Packers, second time to end the season. So what am I at? Six wins? Four or five. So you're at seven wins. Win. Or no, you know what? Flip that second Vikings. They'll they'll win. They'll split with the Vikings. They'll they'll lose it the away game against the Packers. 
Okay, so they're just going to split pretty much all that. So, yeah, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight losses. Sounds about right. So, here's the interestingly enough, I think, I truly think, if that last Packers game, if they're eight and eight, or sorry, no, they'd be nine and seven going into that Mm -hmm. game, I might flip that to a win. So, I. I've told myself, and I keep telling anyone who will listen to me, 500 feet, hovering at 500 feels right. There is a world where like things go right. Justin makes the leap, and everything. They could win 11. It's the foot, NFL is freaking weird, and we we do it every year where there's some team that comes out of nowhere. And I'm just, I just I, I'm just sitting there more so sitting there. You're nine and seven in this scenario you've created just randomly. Sure, and. If you're going in to Lambo against Jordan Love and you're potentially playing for maybe the division, because I think the Vikings are fake. I, uh, they're they're whatever. It's gonna be more about I think it's more of the Lions. You might be playing for the division or you're playing for a wild card spot. I'm I don't know. I'm I'm leaning towards Bears playing for the wild card spot and being able to pull that off. It's interesting. So my last thought on this before we wrap it up, because it, obviously it's a very offense Justin centric show mm-hmm. for, as of right now. Mm-hmm. I think this defense is going to be fun to watch because they're going to be fast. They're going to like, fly around, yeah. They're going to be fast. They're going to be athletic. They're going to they're and they're going to hit you. There's going to be guys that are going to lay the lumber, so so to speak. Like, I think that they're going to be a fun but devastatingly frustrating unit because they're going to be so young and just under talented. Like, and think about they were a. I don't have the number in front of me, but they were a okay to good actually defense they were passable before they got rid of roquan and then before they got rid of robert quinn so if you instill that base and you flip in a a tremaine edmonds and you add in we think tyreek stevenson who should we're hoping is an upgrade over a vildor you have another year on a kyler gordon and a brisker you have at least rotational defensive line pieces that are going to help out you're going to in our fake universe trade for chase young um like, yeah, I mean, this defense should be better than it Let was. Let the record show Mason has just put Chase Young on the Bears. <laughs> the defense still is going to have its growing pains, but to like you said, it, they're going to play hard and they're going to steal some games they probably shouldn't win. And I, the one thing I think I took away from last year is I still don't know if Eberflus is going to be a B to C coach. I think we know he's an A to B coach, though. I think we already know that based on what he did with an under-talented unit and got guys that had no business being in the NFL playing at a level where they at least could be out there. Yeah. Like they, There were dudes that had no business being on an NFL roster being trotted out by that defense at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. But um, in about – there's still more leaks coming out apparently. We're not going to cover it because I just don't care enough to, to be completely honest. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, but in 20 minutes, if you care so much, so damn much about the schedule release, go find it. Yeah, 40 minutes. It's going to be officially official. You can see plan your trips that you want to go to. Uh, obviously, no, no going overseas for the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs got their way, and Bears are coming going to Arrowhead. But that's all we got for today, Danny. Anything before we sign off for the evening? Nah, man. Be safe. Treat each other well. All that fun stuff. Be nice. Live long and <laughs> prosper. Live long and prosper. Uh. All right. Bear, bear <laughs> Did down, I just get a <laughs> Probably. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.